Welcome to the Real Truth Matters podcast. I'm Dan Harder, your host. The RTM podcast is all about showing you how to live in biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect. And now, here's Real Truth Matters founder and director, Michael Durham. Well, thanks, Dan, and welcome to episode 24 of season two of the RTM podcast. We're glad you joined us today. Well, this is going to be the last episode on the subject of faith. We've covered faith now for many weeks, and we need to bring this to a conclusion so that we can move on to other subjects of biblical spirituality. But before we leave the subject of faith, I wanted you to hear from a man that modern church history would probably characterize as a great man of faith, if not one of the greatest men of faith, and that is the Reverend George Mueller. George Mueller was born in Prussia, part of present-day Germany. As a youth, he would characterize himself as a ruffian, a thief, a liar, a deceiver. He was imprisoned even for his thievery as a young man. But eventually he was converted, and soundly converted was he. He eventually felt the call into the ministry and immigrated to England, where he would spend the rest of his life. He settled in Bristol, England, where God used him to pastor a local church, begin a missions organization, and also build an orphanage where at any time he housed 2,000 orphans. But what was interesting is that George Mueller did all of this and never asked anybody for one thing. He simply prayed and asked God for the provision of all his needs. He fed the entire orphans and the staff. He supported ministries and missionaries like Hudson Taylor. And he did it all by making no appeals except to God in prayer. And it is reported that over $7 million was prayed in during the lifetime of his ministry. Well, I think that would qualify him as a man of faith. And I want you to hear from him today. And of course, we can't bring him into the studio, but the next best thing is his autobiography. On pages 172 through 177 in the unabridged edition of the autobiography of George Mueller, Mr. Mueller interjects remarks on faith. He talks about his faith and how faith can be strengthened in the life of the believer. And so I want to read to you that section. I know that sounds boring and you're liable to turn me off, but don't do that. I will interject commentary as we read this. Yes, it's a little archaic, written in the 1800s, but we'll help to clarify that and modernize it as we read it. But you need to hear this. You need to hear from a man who practiced what he preached, a man who lived according to the Scriptures, a life of faith. Well, he begins, I desire that all the children of God who may read these details may thereby be led to increased and more simple confidence in God for everything which they may need under any circumstances, and that these many answers to prayer may encourage them to pray, particularly as regards the conversion of their friends and relatives, their own progress in grace and knowledge, the state of the saints whom they may know personally, the state of the church of God at large, and the success of the preaching of the gospel. Especially I affectionately warn them against being led away by the device of Satan to think that these things are peculiar to me and cannot be enjoyed by all the children of God, 
For though, as has been stated before, every believer is not called upon to establish orphan houses, charity schools, etc., and trust in the Lord for their means, yet all believers are called upon in the simple confidence of faith to cast all their burdens upon Him, to trust in Him for everything, and not only to make everything a subject of prayer, but to expect answers to their petitions, which they have asked according to His will and in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, let me stop here for our first comment. I want you to see that Mueller is stressing the fact that you don't have to have mountain-moving faith and create orphan houses and trust God without telling people your needs to have faith. No, whether it's faith to do what Mueller did or just to trust God for your daily necessities, it's still the same kind of faith, no matter the object or the purpose of that faith. And so this exercise today, listening to Mueller, is not about you imitating George Mueller and the way he lived or the ministries he conducted. No, it's about how you can trust God with simple faith. Mueller continues, Think not, dear reader, that I have the gift of faith, that is the gift of which we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and which is mentioned along with the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, and on that account I am able to trust in the Lord. It is true that the faith which I am enabled to exercise is altogether God's own gift. It is true that He alone supports it and that He alone can increase it. It is true that moment by moment I depend upon Him for it and that if I were only one moment left to myself, my faith would utterly fail. But it is not true that my faith is that gift of faith which is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, for the following reasons. Well, let me interject here a second time. It's important that you understand that Mueller is resisting those in his day and since who said the reason Mueller could live the way he did was because he had this gift of faith found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a gift that is quite supernatural. If you remember, in episode 17, we discussed the two kinds of biblical faith, the grace of faith and the gift of faith. It's this gift of faith that Mueller is referring to. He clearly states he did not have that gift. Well, he's going to continue to argue why he does not have the gift of faith. Mueller writes, The faith which I am enabled to exercise with reference to the orphan houses and my own temporal necessities is not that faith of which it is said in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, evidently an allusion to the faith spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. But it is the self-same faith which is found in every believer and the growth of which I am most sensible of to myself for by little and little, it has been increasing for the last 69 years. This faith, which is exercised respecting the orphan houses and my own temporal necessity, shows itself in the same measure, for instance, concerning the following points. I have never been permitted to doubt during the last 69 years that my sins are forgiven and that I am a child of God, that I am beloved of God and that I shall be finally saved. 
because I am enabled by the grace of God to exercise faith in the Word of God and believe what God says settles these matters. Further, when my brother in the flesh and my dear aged father died, and when concerning both of them I had no evidence whatsoever that they were saved, though I dare not say that they are lost, for I know it not, yet my soul was at peace, perfectly at peace, under this great trial, this exceedingly great trial, this trial which is one of the greatest, perhaps, which can befall a believer. And what was it that gave me peace? My soul laid hold on that word, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? This word, together with the whole character of God, as he revealed himself in his holy words, settled all questions. I believed what he has said concerning himself, and I was at peace. And I have been so ever since concerning this matter. Let's think about what Mueller has just said. Here's one of the greatest trials of his life, the death of his, what he believed, unsaved brother and father, and how he approached that trial. How was faith encouraged in him? Well, it's very evident and easy to see that his faith was encouraged by the Word of God. Mueller did what we've been stressing these many weeks— Faith must have an object, and the object is God himself and what he has said. If your faith is to grow, it's got to rest upon not your feelings, not how sure you are, but upon the word of God. And that's what this great man of faith learned, that faith has to have a foundation, and the only foundation that is stable and secure is the very word of God. He alluded to the promise of God when God spoke to Abraham, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It was this confidence in the character of God that brought him peace. And when you're going through trial and difficulty, that's exactly what you must do. You must run to the word of God. And those specific verses that deal with God's heart and character and there settle it once and for all. Mueller continues, Further, when the Lord took from me a beloved infant, my soul was at peace, perfectly at peace. I could only weep tears of joy when I did weep. And why? Because my soul laid hold in faith on that word. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19, verse 14. Believing therefore as I did upon the ground of this word, my soul rejoiced instead of mourning that my infant was far happier with the Lord than with me. Further, when sometimes all has been dark, exceedingly dark with reference to my service among the saints, judging from natural appearances, of course, yea, when I should have been overwhelmed indeed in grief and despair, had I looked at things after the outward appearance, at such times I have sought to encourage myself in God. By laying hold in faith on his mighty power, his unchangeable love, and his infinite wisdom, and I've said to myself, God is able and willing to deliver me if it is good for me. For it is written, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Well, once again, we can see the secret to Mueller's faith. It had a steady diet of the Word of God. 
It looked to God alone and what God had said. In addition to that, we see in this last section that Mueller practiced the art of preaching to himself. He took his own soul in hand and gave it counsel according to the word of God. This is what you and I have to do. We have to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs, just like Mueller, at a time when his ministry didn't look like it was going anywhere. It looked like it was all failed. Instead of believing that and what his emotions perhaps told him, he rejected that, and he went to the Word of God, believing that only God can tell the truth. This is the logic of faith. Mueller writes, From my inmost soul, I do ascribe my faith to God alone, that He has enabled me to trust in Him, and that He has not suffered my confidence in Him to fail. But I thought it needful to make these remarks lest anyone should think that my depending upon God was a particular gift given to me, which other saints have no right to look for. Or least it should be thought that this my depending upon Him had only to do with the obtaining of money by prayer and faith. By the grace of God I desire that my faith in God should extend towards everything, the smallest of my own temporal and spiritual concerns, and the smallest of the temporal and spiritual concerns of my family, towards the saints among whom I labor, the church at large, everything that has to do with the temporal and spiritual prosperity of the scriptural knowledge institution, etc. Dear reader, do not think that I have attained in faith to that degree to which I might and ought to attain. Lastly, let not Satan deceive you in making you think that you could not have the same faith, but that it's only for persons who are situated as I am. When I lose such a thing as a key, I ask the Lord to direct me to it, and I look for an answer to my prayer. When a person with whom I have made an appointment does not come at the fixed time, I begin to be inconvenienced by it. I ask the Lord to be pleased to hasten him to me, and I look for an answer. And when I do not understand a passage of the Word of God, I lift up my heart to the Lord, that He would be pleased by His Holy Spirit to instruct me, and I expect to be taught, though I do not fix the time when and the manner how it should be. When I am going to minister in the Word, I seek help from the Lord. And while I, in the consciousness of natural inability as well as utter unworthiness, Begin with his service, I am not cast down, but of good cheer, because I look for his assistance and believe that he, for his dear son's sake, will help me. Oh, I beseech you, do not think me an extraordinary believer, having privileges above other of God's dear children which they cannot have, nor look on my way of acting as something that would not do for other believers. Make but trial. Do but stand still in the hour of trial, and you will see the help of God if you trust in Him. But there is so often a forsaking the ways of the Lord in the hour of trial, and thus the food of faith, the means whereby our faith may be increased, is lost. Now this is an interesting point we need to take a closer look at before Mueller elaborates. He says, Make but Trial, three words, doesn't make a lot of sense by themselves, but what he means is this. 
Utilize your trials. Take advantage of them. Don't let a good trial go to waste. As Mueller will discuss, this is one of the reasons why Christians' faith seems to be so small. They don't know how to use trials to increase their faith. Well, Mueller now turns his attention on how faith may be strengthened. This leads me to the following important point. You ask, how may I, a true believer, have my faith strengthened? The answer is this. Number one, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James chapter 1, verse 17. As the increase of faith is a good gift, it must come from God, and therefore he ought to be asked for this blessing. Number two, the following means, however, ought to be used. And here's the first means Mueller states. The careful reading of the Word of God combined with meditation on it. Through reading of the Word of God, and especially through meditation on the Word of God, the believer becomes more and more acquainted with the nature and character of God, and thus sees more and more, besides His holiness and justice, what a kind, loving, gracious, merciful, mighty, wise, and faithful being He is. And therefore, in poverty, affliction of body, bereavement in His family, difficulty in His service, want of a situation or employment, he will repose upon the ability of God to help him, because he has not only learned from his word that he is of almighty power and infinite wisdom, but he has also seen instance upon instance in the holy scriptures in which his almighty power and infinite wisdom have been actually exercised in helping and delivering his people. And he will repose upon the willingness of God to help him. Because he's not only learned from the Scriptures what a kind, good, merciful, gracious, and faithful being God is, but because he's also seen in the Word of God how in a great variety of instances he has proved himself to be so. Meditation on the Word of God will be one special means to strengthen our faith. Number two, as with reference to the growth of every grace of the Spirit, is it of the utmost importance that we seek to maintain an upright heart and a good conscience, and therefore do not knowingly and habitually indulge in those things which are contrary to the mind of God? So it is also particularly the case with reference to the growth in faith. How can I possibly continue to act in faith upon God concerning anything if I'm habitually grieving him and seek to detract from the glory and honor of him in whom I profess to trust and whom I profess to depend, all my confidence towards God, all my leaning upon him in the hour of trial will be gone if I have a guilty conscience and do not seek to put away the guilty conscience, but still continue to do those things which are contrary to the mind of God. And if in any particular instance I cannot trust in God because of the guilty conscience, then my faith is weakened by that instance of distrust. For faith, with every fresh trial of it, either increases by trusting God and thus getting help, or it decreases by not trusting Him. And then there is less and less power of looking simply and directly to Him, and a habit of self-dependence is begotten 
or encouraged. One or the other of these will always be the case in which particular instance. Either we trust in God, and in that case we neither trust in ourselves, nor in our fellow man, nor in circumstances, nor in any other thing besides. Or we do trust in one or more of these, and in that case we do not trust in God. Number three, if indeed we desire our faith to be strengthened, we should not shrink from opportunities where our faith may be tried, and therefore through the trial be strengthened. In our natural state, we dislike dealing with God alone. Through our natural alienation from God, we shrink from Him and from eternal realities. This cleaves to us, more or less, even after our regeneration. Hence, it is that more or less, even as believers... We have the same shrinking from standing with God alone, from depending upon Him alone, and from looking to Him alone. And yet, this is the very position in which we ought to be if we wish our faith to be strengthened. The more I am in a position to be tried in faith with reference to my body, my family, my services for the Lord, my business, etc., the more shall I have opportunity of seeing God's help and deliverance. And every fresh instance in which he helps and delivers me will tend towards the increase of my faith. On this account, therefore, the believers should not shrink from situations, positions, circumstances in which his faith may be tried but should cheerfully embrace them as opportunities where he may see the hand of God stretched out on his behalf to help and deliver him, and whereby he may thus have his faith strengthened. I want to interject at this point because this is crucial. Mueller is returning to this idea that one of the reasons our faith is so weak is because we, we don't make the trial. We avoid the trial. Now, there are certain trials we cannot avoid. They're going to come whether we want them to or not, whether we try to avoid them or not. And Mueller will deal with that in the next section. But here, he's dealing with not attempting to do great things for God. He's, he's dealing with what you and I may have some control over. How much will we put ourselves out there for God? How much will we really depend upon Him? How much will we look at the situation and just simply avoid it? Or we run to it believing that God will help us? Just like David of old, he ran towards the giant. He didn't, like Saul, try to avoid it. The last important point for the strengthening of our faith is that we let God work for us when the hour of the trial of our faith comes, and do not work a deliverance of our own. Wherever God has given faith, it is given, among other reasons, for the very purpose of being tried. Yea, however weak our faith may be, God will try it. Only with this restriction, that is, in every way he leads on gently, gradually, patiently, so also with reference to the trial of our faith. At first, our faith will be tried very little in comparison with what it may be afterwards. For God never lays more upon us than he's willing to enable us to bear. Now, when the trial of faith comes, we are naturally inclined to 
distrust God and to trust rather in ourselves or in our friends or in our circumstances. We will rather work a deliverance of our own somehow or other than simply look to God and wait for His help. But if we do not patiently wait for God's help, if we work a deliverance of our own, then at the next trial of our faith, it will be thus again. We shall be again inclined to deliver ourselves. And thus, with every fresh instance of that kind, our faith will decrease. Whilst on the contrary, were we to stand still in order to see the salvation of God, to see His hand stretched out on our behalf, trusting in Him alone, then our faith would be increased, and with every fresh case in which the hand of God is stretched out on our behalf in the hour of the trial of our faith, our faith would be increased yet more. Would the believer, therefore, have his faith strengthened? He must especially give time to God, who tries his faith in order to prove to his child in the end how willing he is to help and deliver him the moment it is good for him. And that concludes what Mueller says about strengthening your faith. Well, before we conclude today, I want to bring one more thing to your attention, something that needs to be noted. Twice, Mueller has stated that there is within every Christian something that resists trusting in God. There is in you and me a natural shrinking from, running from absolute confidence in God, and it's just our fallen human nature. It wants to be in control. It doesn't want to depend upon someone else. And so, as Mueller says, when the trial comes, we try to work out our own deliverance. This is the way in which we operate. That's what's natural to us. But we have to resist this. We have to recognize that this is contrary to faith in God and will not bring glory to God, nor will it strengthen our faith. It will do just the opposite. It will decrease confidence and faith in God. Well, I hope our time with George Mueller has been profitable for us. Tune in next week as we start a new topic that will demonstrate biblical spirituality, where the Bible and real life intersect. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, you can contact us by email. Just send your email to realtruthmatters.com. That's realtruthmatters, all one word, dot com. We love to hear from you. Well, on behalf of all of us here at Real Truth Matters, thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you with His love in a real and tangible way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Truth Matters podcast. I hope you can see that Christianity is profoundly experiential, but always based on the objective truth of Scripture. If you have questions or comments, please send them to our email address, web at realtruthmatters.com. That's web at realtruthmatters.com. Real Truth Matters podcast, dedicated to biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect.